Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others, who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar and, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, Even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Long passage there this morning. We're going to try to Pick up the pace. This is our 30th sermon into the book of Luke, picking back up where we've kind of left off before our Ten Commandments series. But uh, this is our 30th sermon. We're taking a big chunk, 21 verses here, but believe it or not, I think they all revolve around one main idea, and it's the idea of how to hear, listening to hear. The, the theme, the kind of recurrent theme you hear through this, and look, if you could actually look through it and see over and over this word or various um, arrangements or tenses of this word to hear or hearing or heard. There are many types, different types of listening to engage in. Sometimes you listen just to dismiss. Sometimes you listen to be informed. 
Sometimes you listen so that you can argue. Sometimes you listen so that you can understand. Sometimes you listen so that you can just ignore or to placate the person. You have no intention of really listening to them or taking what they say seriously, but you listen to them with the full intention just to ignore them and and to, uh, to placate them. This person, I'm not interested in what they're saying. But they seem to want to say a lot, so to placate them, I'll sit here and I'll I'll listen to them go on and on, but I don't really care what they have to say. You go to your job and your boss has got some long story about their weekend, you don't really care about it and not interested in what they're talking about, but uh, you're going to listen and forget it promptly. There are lots of different ways to listen, right? I mean, lots of activities involved in listening. Teachers, as they head into a new school year, know very clearly how many different kinds of listening there is. When they get a new group of kids, they all listen differently, and they all come to the the event of listening to a teacher with different baggage. Well, this teacher used to communicate this way, and my parents communicate this way, and they have all different kinds of listening. And so they bring in their different personalities and backgrounds and influences on how they listen. In the same way, the passage this morning in Luke is all about how to listen and and listening, listening to hear, listening to actually hear. You can listen and hear nothing. You can listen and hear nothing. And this is when I make the joke, wives all raise their hands. Yes, we know people can listen and hear nothing when I'm communicating to my husband. Yes, we know people can listen and not hear. But this is... This is all talking about listening to hear. I want to work through this section here in, in Luke chapter 8 and go through, just kind of work, work through the passage together. It starts out with this interesting story of um, this descriptive passage of the day-to-day ministry of Jesus. He works his ministry indiscriminately. We see in verse 1 he goes through the cities and villages. He's not picking just main uh, main metropolitan areas to preach his message to, or he's not just going to the, the small villages. He's, as he's going through these cities and these villages, he's going and he's proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus goes around and he has one mission. It is to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the gospel, the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Jesus is a preacher, and he goes through all of these places And he preaches. He shows up at a place and he continues the proclamation by word and by deed of the good news of the kingdom of God. And we see that at this point he's got all of his 12 disciples with him. He hasn't sent them out yet. They're not off on different missions. The disciples are with him. In the verse 1, the 12 were with him. But we also see this interesting group of women that are with him. Three of them are mentioned by name. We have Mary Magdalene. We have Joanna or Joanna. Or, and Susanna, these, these three women that are, that are with Jesus as he goes around. And he, Luke makes the note that these are women who have been healed of infirmities or delivered from demons. They have women who have been healed of evil spirits and of infirmities. But these women, interestingly enough, they don't just follow Jesus. They're actually the ones who are providing for Jesus. It's kind of a, how does Jesus make his ministry work? What's, as he goes around and he picks up these fishermen, they've all quit their jobs and they're wandering around. How do they pay for their travel? How do they pay for their meals? How do they go around from place to place? And there's this group of women, Luke is saying, who are providing for them out of their own means. Why is this section here? I mean, so as, you're, as you're trying to read through the scripture, you're trying to put it all in its context 
Luke has this transition, and he mentions this story. Jesus is going around preaching to all these different places with his disciples, and three women are there who have been delivered of evil spirits and infirmities, and they're providing for them out of their means. Why the mention of the women? What's going on with this passage? And in a way, it connects the previous story we just we went through previously, a few weeks ago, it connects that story of this sinful woman. Remember the story of the sinful woman? You can read it uh, this afternoon. With the, She breaks the ointment over and anoints Jesus' feet at this tax collector's party and the Pharisee's party, excuse me, and there's, they're scandalized by it. This, this movement of Jesus forgiving this woman of her sins and her, her joy in the forgiveness of her sins and then on into this next story of this parable. It ties it together. What, what matters... It holds these, these two stories together. Jesus consistently elevates women in a culture that held them as second-class citizens to make the point that what matters and what mattered was not your gender, but from the point of this next parable, what matters is if you are one who hears the message of the kingdom of God, listens to it, and receives it, and bears fruit. Not only do you have, you have this issue of women being kind of, they, didn't te- they, they, weren't, they weren't the ones out doing the, the main teaching. They weren't the ones out uh, leading the, they, they weren't the ones out speaking. They were kind of behind the scenes. And here Jesus is saying that they aren't second class citizens. Gender is not the thing that matters. What matters are those who hear the message and receive it. But not only do you have them being women, which we look down in this cultural time, but they're w- women with a dark history. They've got these uh, evil infirmities and spirits that are oppressing them. Whether they were actually regarded that way as evil in their culture, we don't really know. But Luke volunteers this information that they were demon-possessed. Now let me ask you a question. You're trying to get a movement started. You're trying to get a, a, a world, a, the message of the gospel spread throughout the nations. Do you say, the, oh, by the way, the, the followers were demon-possessed people? <laughs> And they now follow Jesus. It's kind of a weird selling point, isn't it? It's not a selling point to get people to join your movement. Oh, this is how bad all the people that are following us were. This is how crazy they all were. It's not a selling point unless the point is that, the, the, unless your movement is about the reality that we are all in so many ways these messed up group of people, second class citizens. We're all these people who are, are, are put aside, are unre- disrespected. These are the ones who the Savior has come to save. Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost. Jesus comes with the power to save even the toughest of cases. The issue with Jesus is not if you're male or female, if your sins of your past are thought of of really big sins or maybe great sins or just little sins. They're not if you have a a reputation. What matters to him is not if, if you have a reputation that is opposed to all that he stands for. Those things do not matter. What matters is are you one who hears the gospel, hears the proclamation, and truly hears it? Are you one who listens and truly hears it? So that, to me, is the connection here with this group of people, because then he moves on to this very familiar parable. It's told all the time, this idea, this parable of the different soils. Jesus begins to teach from this point on in Luke more in parables. He, He comes to this telling stories and sometimes it's regarded that the reason why Jesus teaches parables is so that he makes his teaching easier to understand like if he gives you a story it's going to be easier to understand 
But Jesus says the exact opposite of that's why he's using parables. Jesus says that he's using these parables down in verse 9. He says, they ask what the parable means. He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Jesus uses these, teaches parables this way. Um, he, he states this in verses 9 and 10, that his teaching is in parables, basically so that those who have no desire to really hear Jesus won't hear. Those who have no desire to hear Jesus won't really hear, which brings us to the heart of this passage this morning. The big idea, listen to truly hear what Jesus is saying. Listen to hear. Listen to hear what Jesus is truly saying. Jesus has many who are following him for various reasons. They want to see a miracle. They want to see him heal some people. They want to maybe get their own healing. They maybe want to see they're going to, he's going to multiply uh, loaves and fish later on. And people want to see this great teacher. They want to, they want to see the show. It's like you bring the, the circus to town. You, want to, you don't even really care what's going on, but the crowd is gathered around. You don't want to miss the big show because everyone's around the big show. They want to see what's going on. They're drawn to the latest, neatest thing. There are tons of people coming to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. They're not coming to actually hear. They want to see healings, exorcisms, the dead raised. Jesus is raising people from the dead. They want to see these amazing things, this popular movement, but they are not all gathered to truly hear what Jesus has to say because they wouldn't like it if they heard it. So he conceals his true meaning in parables that he'll later teach to his disciples. And the content of the parable I mean, it's pretty straightforward. We, we get it. We live, we're enough agricultural. And we understand the different types of soil and the way they're going to respond. It's not exhaustive. I don't know that Jesus is mentioning every type of possible soil that there could be. But he brings up these three types of, four types of soil, three that are not receptive to the gospel, and one that is. This parable is in all three of the synoptic gospels. It's a fairly important teaching of Jesus. The synoptic gospels being Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all similar um, this parable is all, those, um, all of those gospels. And it's a basic outline of this guy is out and the way you would spread seed back in the day, you had your pouch and you'd just sow it like this. You'd just go, you'd walk around rhythmically and you'd fling your seed out on the ground that had been worked or not or whatever. You'd sow your seed and that's how you plant it. It's possible that as Jesus is teaching this, there might have been someone sowing seed as he goes around. And he speaks about these four different types of soil and how they respond to the seed. We have the hardened soil that gets the seed snatched away. We have the shallow soil that goes in and springs up real quickly, but then it's rocky underneath. It's very shallow soil, so it can't put down roots. So when the sun comes and bakes it, it disappears. We have the polluted soil that it grows up, but along with it are tons of thorns and thistles that choke out what's trying to grow there. And we have the fertile soil. Now, so far, that's... Okay, that's a pretty straightforward. Thank you for the agriculture lesson, Jesus. <laughs> we want fertile soil. Get rid of thorns, get rid of rocks, and till it up a little bit. Is that what this is? No. He goes on later to explain what this actually is. And this parable, interestingly, is, an, is allegorical. So not every parable is an allegory. Where, where one thing stands for this, this stands for this, this stands for this. That's what an allegory is. Um, there's lots of allegorical stories they're fun to read i like allegories but parables generally communicate one big truth but this is an exception where jesus himself 
divinely says this is an allegory. Certain things mean certain things. Jesus makes uh, his own divine interpretation of this parable and says that it's an allegory. Now, we're going to work through what those are, but if you still have your Bible out in Luke chapter 8, I want to jump down. This might help you if you, if you follow along with me because I, we're going to go back through this parable. But we jump down into this later story. We're going to work through and look closer at the parable. But first, I want to emphasize again what Luke is really trying to communicate to us. This story about the soils, what it's really about. We have this parable and the explanation. Then we have this lamp parable. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, puts it on a bed. He puts it on a stand so that you can see it. We have this story then uh, talking again about hearing and not being able to hear those who have more will be given, but those who have not, what they have will be taken away. And then we have this interesting story of Jesus' mother and his brothers. His mother and his brother come to him. They could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The other two gospels have this saying of Jesus and his family coming to Jesus' mother and brothers to come rescue him before the telling of the parable of the sowers. Luke has taken this and has gathered it by this parable to make his point, to make his point stronger, to emphasize again the importance of hearing what Jesus is saying, hearing the word of God. Jesus says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Luke gathers it here to make this point of the importance of really hearing what God is saying, of hearing and really hearing. And so our section, that's where our section ends this morning with this idea, this re-emphasis of, of the importance of hearing. So we ask, why would Luke emphasize the need to truly hear? What is so special about hearing and why would anyone not hear? I mean, it, we talked about it a little when we started, but the idea, why would anyone not hear? And Jesus lays it out why someone would not hear in his explanation of the parable. So you jump back up to verse 9 in Luke chapter 8, and he goes through these three types of soils that don't hear, don't hear. And the first is this hardened soil. We see the parable is this in verse 11, the seed is the word of God. That's the method. The sower is sowing and it is the word of God. It is the gospel proclamation. It is the good news about the kingdom. It is sown. And verse 12, the ones along the path. Paths are hardened. Yet, ever, I used to go walk around the pastures when I was a kid and you could always follow the cow path. And what's growing in a cow path? Nothing. Because <laughs> they've, they've beat down this same path over and over and over again. There'd be weeds and whatever growing up beside it. You might brush against the thistle that's growing over top of it. But ain't nothing growing in the hardened path. And that's where this first seed falls on. It falls on the hardened path. The ones, the seeds, the ones that along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they may not believe and be saved. The message of the gospel lands on this soil and it doesn't even get an inch deep. It doesn't go anywhere. It just lays there on the top. It just sits there and then the world, Satan, the enemy comes along and he just snatches the seed away. Pictured by the birds will show up and just eat this seed and take it away. This soil, this type of hearer is so hardened either by previous issues and biases that they just refuse the gospel out of hand. I don't like what you're saying. 
I don't like this idea that I'm a sinner. I don't like this proclamation that I need to repent. I don't like this idea that I'm not in charge of everything. I don't like these ideas. I refuse them out of hand. And as soon as you begin to declare any sort of God-centered worldview, the hardened soil says, I I don't even want to hear it. I'm listening to it, but I don't want to hear it. I'll sit and hear it. I'll sit and listen, but I'm not going to really hear it. And there are many like this. The pride that comes from the, that comes, uh, this comes out of such pride. I am not going to hear this. And it makes us ask this question. You've got you to put yourself in these shoes. How receptive are we? How receptive are you to the hearing of the Word of God? The Word of God brings to a point you don't agree with. We just went through the Ten Commandments, folks. If there wasn't anything in there that didn't stub your toes, you weren't listening. <laughs> It it brings up things that smash you a little bit. And if you're going to be one who listens and truly hears, are we the hardened ground? Don't be the hardened ground. But are we? We have to ask ourselves the question, when God speaks something to me, when God's word declares something to me, am I so hardened that I just out of hand say, no way, that's not, I'm not even going to wrestle with it. I'm not going to agree with it. I'm not going to use Darren's little box in the bottom of the insert and write a question. Is that really true? I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to dismiss it out of hand. It's not real. That's the hardened ground that will not let the word of God do its work to speak into your life. When we do that, it doesn't take much for that truth to be snatched away so that we never think about it again. We've dismissed it by our hardened hearts. That's the hardened soil. The shallow soil is the message of the gospel lands on them and they have a very emotional, quick, rambunctious reaction to it. Wow, this is the greatest thing ever. And there's a real response. They get busy making changes in their life. and There's just a flurry of activity. They join groups, but there's no depth. So what you'd have common that, uh, and you can see it as I walk around town, but we've gotten real dry lately. My, I, the house that I bought, you all know this because you've, know the houses before I did, but it used to have a house to the south of it sitting on 116 or 115 Dunning, because I have to pay the taxes on it, my taxes are due. 115 Dunning, and there's an old foundation that still sits there. And when it gets dry like this, you can tell exactly where the foundation, the old sidewalk was, because that grass just goes brown, doesn't it? The, the old, like the grass all around it is green, and then the grass that's over top of that concrete, that's over top of the rock, doesn't have the depth of roots so that when the sun begins to scorch down on it, what happens to it? It dries up. It dries up. And that's this kind of soil that's got this rock underneath it that doesn't have any depth. So the seed, the good news, the gospel comes to them and boy, they spring up and it's nice and green as long as everything is fine and dandy. But as soon as temptations come, as soon as trials come, verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. It's shallow energy. The Word does its work, but only in the first few layers of their lives. It doesn't go to any penetrating level. So we have to ask this diagnosing question of ourselves: When we are alone with Jesus, I'm not talking about here. I know you're all very pious, and we're all, we're all good to go sitting here. You go home at night. You're alone with your thoughts, with God. How deep does the gospel penetrate into your heart? How deep is the gospel doing its work? And if your piety, I mean, if if your religiosity is only for everyone else to see, and it doesn't go any deeper than that, 
We are in danger. You are in danger. You are the soil that has the rock underneath it. The shallow listener hears to make surface level changes. I'm going to show up, listen to what the pastor has to say, listen to the the sermon, listen to what scripture has to say, and make enough surface changes so everyone can see, boy, look, that person's really going, that person's really alive. But the reality is, as soon as trouble comes, they evaporate because there's no depth to really the heart issues of their life. Therefore, when the heat of affliction that this life brings, which it does in many different ways, when that heat comes, the work that was seeming to have been accomplishing so much withers away. Reflection. Hardened soil. Soil that's on the rock. The third is the polluted soil. The message of the gospel lands on this group and it grows, but there's no weeding that takes place. Syncretism. Sure, I'll take this seed I'm going to grow it up with every other thing in the world that I want to fill it up with. There's no weeding that takes place. The seed is accepted as just another seed. And soon the thorns of this life choke out any receptivity to the gospel that has been there. Jesus says that these thorns that choke them out, he gives them names. He says they are the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. Jesus is saying that if we take a favorable stance to those things, we entertain the cares of this world. We entertain the riches of this world. Our our desires are not for this seed of the gospel to take root and grow, but our desires are for the pleasures of this life. They are the thing we treasure. We are courting thorns. And when those thorns grow up in this soil, they choke out the message of the gospel. They'll choke out the fruit of the gospel message that has been spoken to us. Three types of soil we have to ask. Am I entertaining these things? Am I hardened? Do I let the Word of God do its work in my heart? Am I shallow? Does the Word of God actually get any depth in my life? And am I courting the thorns and thistles of this world? And the fourth soil is the fertile soil. There's the soil that the message has been heard and it holds fast in an honest and good heart and with patience it bears fruit. That's what it says. Verse 15, As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the Word Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. A couple things, three things about this soil that I want us to notice. This is the soil that we want to be. This is the soil you want to be, this type of soil that bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, the other gospels say. There are a few, it doesn't really say how to become the soil. We'll get to that. But there are a few things I want you to notice about this soil, the, the qualities that exist in this soil. And the first is that this soil is, is hearing the word. The, that word hear there is an, is an active word. That is, it's a past tense reality that is currently going, that is continuing on. So the hearing of this soil that is receiving this seed is a continual hearing. They are hearing and hearing and hearing. The sense of this word is that it is an event that has happened in the past but that it is active as it is an ongoing hearing. If you want to be the soil, get to work hearing the Word of God. Hear and hear and hear and hear and listen and listen and tune your ear in and pay attention to and work hard that when you listen, you're actually hearing. Show up to understand, to be taught, to to go to Bible studies podcast things, listen to things, read your Bible, read your Bible on your own, read books on the Bible, hear, 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 hear. If you want to be this soil, 
Work hard at hearing the word of Christ. Memorize large sections of the Bible. Do whatever you have to do to be continually hearing the word. Second, it is a listening that holds fast to what it hears. Is the word of God precious to you? Do you protect your listening? Do you guard and you hold fast to the things that you value? Do you guard and hold fast to your time and your opportunity to hear the word of God? And third, it is a listening that is accomplished by patience. Those are all things pulling from the text. But as I've I've read this and thought on this all week long, why doesn't Jesus just give us the tools to become this type of soil? Like, you know, it's a frustrating passage. Because he explains, here's the different types of soils that you can be. But he doesn't just say, you know what, you want to be this good soil? Here's ten things for you to do to become this type of soil. Get to work becoming this good soil so you can bear fruit. Why didn't Jesus just give us some tools to till our soil? We want, to be, we want the power to be in our own hands. When it comes to this sort of thing, we want the power to be in our hands. We want to be the masters of our own destiny. We want to be our own God. But the thing that frustrates our natural desire to, to get her done, to do the work when it comes to our salvation, is that it is grace. It is grace. I want you to hear the passive nature of this. The passive nature of this parable of the soils. The call of the gospel of the kingdom, the call of the gospel, and the call of the gospel of the kingdom isn't get to work tilling. It isn't get to work tilling. It isn't get to work pulling weeds. It isn't get to work spading out rocks. The call of the gospel is this. It's a call to be heard. The call of the gospel is not to get to work. It's a, just, it's a call. It is a call. Christianity is not a work program to accomplish. At its core, Christianity is a message to be believed. At its core, it is not a work program to get busy with. At its core, Christianity is a declaration. It is good news. Not, here's what you need to do. It is a declaration. Here's what God has done. Hear and believe. Hear and receive. Hear and hear and hear and believe and grow and bear fruit. The Christianity is not get to work. It is hear and believe in the work God has done for you. Hear and believe the work that God has done for you. It is a message of a God who is. It is a message of who we are, who Christ is and what he has done. By coming to earth, living the righteous life we should have lived, dying the death that we deserve, so that through repentance, through faith, which is involving repentance and a belief in Christ's work, through that faith we can be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God, not by our works, but by the work of Christ. By the work of Christ. God is the one who does the saving. And then he proclaims the message of this salvation to the end of the earth. And the question this morning, are we hearing? Listen to hear. Listen to hear. Christianity is a declaration of good, of good news. Romans 10, 17 says that how can they believe if they have not heard that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The importance of hearing, that is how faith comes. That is how faith comes. There is no faith without hearing. Faith can only come to you when you hear the message about Jesus and his work. When you hear the good news about Jesus and his work. The question that rings out from this parable 
Are you listening? Can you hear the call of the gospel to you, sinner, condemned under God's just wrath? He's extending this call to all who would hear. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, the book of Acts tells us. And this isn't a parable about how to make yourself good soil. It's a parable about, will you hear? Will you hear the good news of the sower sowing his seed, saying, this is what I have done for you. Will you hear it and will you respond? Will you believe it and will you bear fruit? The encouragement from this parable is to continue listening, to persevere, to root yourself in the truths that you hear from the word of God, to hold fast to him. And when you do that, you will find he is the one who's been holding fast to you all along. Let's pray. Father, help us to hear in this place this morning. I pray that my insufficiencies would get out of the way, that I'd be forgotten, and that God, every person in this room this morning would do work with you, would hear your call to them as an individual, a God who has loved them, a God who has made a way for them, a God who wants to rescue them, who desires that they come to repentance and faith in Christ. And God, do that work in every heart in this place this morning. God, give us ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.